Greetings, beloved in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. And I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. We are continuing with what we started a few weeks ago. About the fact that you have got a God-given identity, you have got a God-given mandate. And I want you to I want us to reflect a bit on the role of the church, and you are the body of Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, but also as a local church, we are a church, the body of Christ. And we talked last week on what used to happen in the pool of Bethesda, where people would go there with whatever ailment, whatever problem that you had. They would wait there for the stirring of the water. They were there expecting a miracle. Now, I want you, when you come to church, don't just take it as another Sunday to tick. Take it that I'm expecting my miracle. I'm expecting my breakthrough. It doesn't matter how long it takes, but I'm still highly expecting. Because you remember the man who was there, who was healed, he was in that condition for how long? 38 years. And I don't think any of you has ever had a problem for 38 years. But even after 38 years, the Lord can come through for you. Amen. And that is what the church should be like. So when people come to the house of the Lord, if they come brokenhearted, may they leave here. May they leave encouraged. So also as part of the body of Christ, if you are a Christian, don't hurt others. Because people are coming here, they want to be healed. Amen. Be a source of healing even to others. Because the church has got a part to play in the world we are living in. So I want us to recap the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1. Uh, Mr. MJ, are you going to help me? Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17 to verse 23 in the Mechis translation. I want to show you what Paul was saying about himself as the servant of the Lord but also what the church should be like and the role of the church. And from there, we are going to connect with what I want to share with you today, which is very much encouraging, very much exciting in our work with the Lord where we have to always depend on Him. Because on your own, you cannot make it. You need God. And I think the elder here, when he was sharing, he was sharing that even your financial situation Sometimes you may be saying, I'm in fair mind past. But that's the time to trust God even more. Amen. And you will see even in some of the scriptures that we are going to share, God even wants us, Moses, is there anything that's beyond my power? Because sometimes when we think of things, when you look at things, you think of it and compare it with your ability. Compare it with what you can. But if you ever compare what you have with God's ability, you will always be encouraged. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 23, message translation. <clears throat> but I do more than thank. I ask of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory. Okay, I want you to first think of one thing. The God of our <clears throat> master. <clears throat> it means we are under instruction. He is our master. He is our Lord. He said we take the mandate from him. So he is the God is the father of our Lord and master, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. To make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. So you need that personal knowledge of the Lord, personal experience. You know that sometimes we blame people, sometimes we say to people, I don't understand why that person keeps on behaving like this. Some of them, they never had any personal encounter with the Lord. And we are expecting them to bear the fruit of a Christian when actually they are just churchgoers. Okay? So he says, I pray that God may make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Don't ask your neighbor, do you know the Lord personally? Don't ask them. Don't ask them. They must ask themselves. Amen? Do I know the Lord personally? Do I have that personal encounter with the Lord? Or I just hear about the Lord when other people talk about me? 
Amen. So he says, I pray that God may make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Mm -hmm. Your eyes focused and clear mm. so that you can exactly what it is he is calling you to do. So firstly, you understand who you are in Christ. You know him personally, but you also need to understand exactly what he is calling you to do. To do. So I said, each one of us, we are all unique. The reason why you are you, and you are the only you in the whole world, it means there is something special that needs you. Don't deny us, don't deprive us of that special thing that only you can do. Amen? In the body of Christ also, even when you are in church like this, there is something special about you. Amen? And do that. I'm actually reminded, uh, Mr. Petorius, I'm reminded about the old man, your dad. So, some people, there were some people who were in our church because of his smile. So, one time somebody was sharing with us a testimony. He used to like sitting at the door, there at the entrance. You remember in Milnaten Hall? So, he would be sitting there and people would be passing. Some people, just with his smile, he decided to come to church. And then, they were attracted to his smile and then they were staying. I thought they were staying because of my preaching. <laughs> So, when they were giving a testimony, so it means there are some people who are not always staying because of the pastor. There are some people who are staying because of him. Amen. Amen. So, be a blessing in the body of Christ. So, when you know him personally, you also need to know what is it that he's calling you to do. It's not only pastors who have to do something. All of us, there's something special that we can do. Continue. To grasp the immensity of the life, he has for his followers. I like this immensity of the great, glorious way of life. Tell your neighbor, I live a glorious life. Amen. He says the immensity of this glorious way of life. So glorious way of life is not a life of, of scraping through. It's the life of taking control. It's the life of taking charge. We don't say that you won't face challenges. We don't say that there, will be, there won't be anything that comes against you. When they come against you, they are coming to be defeated. Because you've got what it takes to win. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. So you can have this glorious way of life. Amen. Mm -hmm. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy. Boundless strength. Mm. All the issues of Christ... God raised him from the death and set him on a throne in deep heaven of running the universe. I think the mic uh, this, uh, uh, deprived you of a nice thing. Start by in charge. Because I want, I want, you see, when I want to live this glorious way of life, I want to copy from my master Jesus Christ. Mm. What does he say? What does he do? But how does he rule? He rules through you. Yeah. We said you are the body of Christ. You are the yeah. temple of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus, when he wants to do things on earth, he uses you and I. Yeah. So he is in charge of running the universe. No name and no power is exempted from his rule. Uh -huh. And not just for the time being, mm. Mm -mm, but forever. Amen. Mm. He's in charge of it all. Yes. Has the final word on everything. I like this man. But you are saying, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. You just don't know what condition I'm in. That is your condition. That's not, you haven't told me yet, you're taking charge. Yeah. So when your situation is like that, it says he is in charge of running the universe. And he is in charge of it all, and he has the final word on everything. Okay? Some of you, you've got a challenge, you've got a problem that you have been having for years, and you're struggling with this one thing. Every time you go for it, you seem to be failing. Every time you go for it, you seem to be failing. Can I tell you that it's not over until the Lord says it's over? Amen. And the good thing with my Lord is he doesn't say it's over when I'm still under. You know, it's like if you are fighting with your enemy, when we were growing up, okay, the simple one is it's, it's, it's boxing or wrestling. Boxing, yeah, let's take boxing. If you are knocked down, how many of you know that if you are knocked down, you are not defeated yet? There is no problem with being knocked down in boxing. The problem is to be knocked out. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, there is no problem with being knocked down. 
The problem is when you are knocked out. Because when you are knocked out, it means the fight is over. So here it says, he has the final word on everything. So the fight does not end until my master is spoken. Amen. So if I'm down and the referee is counting one, two, three, four, five. I used to like watching boxing in years gone by. And they would be counting and counting. And sometimes you find that they come to seven and you stand up, you continue. You are allowed to continue. Tell your neighbor you are allowed to continue. <laughs> you are not out yet. Because the master has not yet spoken. So when it says he is in charge of running the universe, he has the final word on everything, even on your situation. Amen. Mr. MJ, repeat those words. He has the final word on everything. And I want each of you, even those who don't have this version, you need to tell your neighbor, even the very thing that's troubling you. So first, first you will tell them after he reads the verse. Okay. Here's the final word on everything. Now tell your neighbor, even that very thing that has been troubling you for long. The Lord has got the final word in it. So it means if this problem of mine is still troubling you, it's not over yet. Because my master needs to speak last. You were singing here the song, you are the Alpha and Omega. Okay, you are Yahweh. Alpha and Omega, meaning beginning and the end. So if my master has not yet spoken, it's not over yet. And you know when he speaks, he always speaks contrary to my situation, and I like it. And it should be my situation that must change, because the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Amen. 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 So continue. At the center of all this, yeah. Christ rules the church. Now, I want to show you, so we said the pool of Bethesda, we're painting with the church. So now it tells you who you are in Christ, what, who Christ is as he runs the universe through you. But it says at the center of this, Christ is ruling the church. Mm -hmm. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. Yeah. The world is peripheral to the church. Which means the church is at the center. Mm. Okay. The church receives directly the mandate from the Lord, the Master Jesus Christ. Okay? We are at the center. We receive the mandate directly. And what do we do with the mandate? We go peripherally to the world. Amen. 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 But we must first understand who we are and understand the mandate. Then we will be useful in the world. Continue. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. Yeah. By which he feels everything with his presence. So the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. So when we say that Jesus has got a final word on everything, that word should be spoken by who? It says here, he speaks through what? Through his church, through you and I. <clears throat> so if he speaks through me, so that final word must be given by me. So you are the master of your own destiny. You take what God has spoken and you keep on speaking it. You say it's not over until this word comes to pass. I'm a soldier. I keep on fighting until I win. Amen. I like what uh, I once shared with some of you that there was, they said there was this general of the army. He said he was encouraging the young combatants who has come for, uh, to be trained for, for, to be soldiers and to be ready for war. He said, I know that most of you young men have come here with a view to die for your land, to die for your country. That's not how you win wars. You win wars by killing others for their country. <laughs> Amen. So you don't win a war by dying for your country. When you die for your country, you are defeated. You must be winning war by letting your enemies lose. Amen. That should be your attitude. So if God is in, if Jesus is in charge of running the universe, he runs it through me. I'm an ambassador. I represent the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So he speaks through us. That's why if you go with me to the book of Matthew 16, 18 to 19, New King James Version, I will read this one. 
<coughs> so he says, and also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That is the very church that we had in Ephesians. So he's saying he's building his church. This is not your church, it's not my church, it's not the pastor's church, it's the Lord's church. So he is building it himself. And when he builds it, he says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So it means we cannot be defeated. Amen. When you are down, when you are not down, you are not defeated yet. Amen. When your challenge is still taking charge, it's not over yet. Because it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So it means that's why you can do whatever you want to do to destroy the church. You cannot destroy it because the owner himself is building it. Amen. Some of the people even think, I will quit church and that church will fall. As if the church was built on you. He says, I'm building my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I, I once said this. <coughs> yeah, Apostle Masakon, I once said one word the other time when he visited us. He said, some people are like a fish in the water saying, I will jump up out here of this water and this water, I will see what will happen of this water. Who gets in trouble when the fish jumps out of the water? But imagine a fish that thinks, I'll jump out here and this water will be in trouble. No, you are misled. You are mistaken. There are some people who think, I will leave the church and I will see what will happen of the church. No, that's how the enemy, that's how your, the lion wants to devour you. Because your enemy, the devil, is roaming around seeking him whom he may devour. So if buffaloes are all standing together, they cannot be defeated when they are all defending each other. But that one buffalo that jumps out will be defeated. So it says here, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Because there up, up he says, he's in charge of running the universe. But now we are here on the earth and we take mandate from him, our father in heaven. And we are here on earth, we, we enforce the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. <clears throat> so who binds and who loses? Is it Jesus? Uh -uh, he works through you. So it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's a translation that says, whatever you declare unlawful on the earth, whatever you prohibit on the earth. I think sometimes somebody read me the Shangan version of that. And it sounded like it went there. About whatever you prohibit on the earth. Okay? So, when last did you prohibit some things? Hmm? Or you just say, Oh, I don't know what's going on. My situation, things are just falling apart. Yesterday it was this, today is that, last week it was that. I just don't know what's going on in my life. That's not how you prohibit. <clears throat> Amen? That's not how you prohibit. So, as an ambassador, you need to know how to enforce your kingdom. So we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 21. We won't read it today. It talks about when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. But it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. So it means when we have received this mandate, now we go out into the world and enforce the kingdom. So I want you to now focus on this. The role of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit when we are a church of Christ or when you are a child of God is very, very important. Because if we are receiving a mandate from Him, we also want Him to direct us, to guide us. We must never be a step ahead of Him. <clears throat> I'll show you some verses today. So let's start with Romans 8, 14. New King James Version. says, For as many as are led, by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So, 
we are in the center because we receive directly from the throne. And the world is peripheral to us. But when we have received, we need to be sensitive to be led by His Spirit. Even in your dealings with people, do you know that there are sometimes when people talk to you and you're not, you need not answer? Sometimes you don't even need to defend yourself. Some of you are too quick to respond. Even without first listening. You know even Jesus, sometimes they would say things and sometimes he wouldn't answer. Because he was still seeking the Lord's advice and guidance. Okay? So it means, even in your own life, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The other time I was telling some of you, sometimes you will feel like you've got two hearts. They say, heart that says this, there's the heart that says this. One of those hearts that you're saying, the heart that says this, it's your spirit, which is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So sometimes the Lord wants to guide you and lead you, and you just feel, today I'm just feeling uncomfortable to use this route. I always go with this route, but I don't know why, I just want to go the other route. Follow that voice. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of <coughs> God. So allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, because he knows the future. Amen. <clears throat> so I want you to go with me to the book of Numbers. Now, I'm going to take an example of Moses. How he always wanted to, to yield to the Lord's guidance. <clears throat> that how he never wanted to do things on his own. Amen. So go to Numbers chapter 9, from verse 6 to verse 11, the Good News Translation, Mr. MJ. So this was the time when <coughs> the children of Israel, the Lord was giving them a command about Passover. So he said to them, you know when the children of Israel left Egypt, it was on a certain day in a certain month. Now he wanted them to celebrate that deliverance every year on what they used to call the Passover. Amen? It's almost like, you know that most of us, or almost all of us, we celebrate our birthdays. But how many of you celebrate your spiritual birthday? Some of us, we don't even know when I was born again. Including me. I don't remember the day. Okay? So I can't blame you. Amen? But can I say for those of you who get born again from now going forward, can you at least jot down your birthday date for getting born again? So that then you can have time to celebrate that each year. So it says here, the children of Israel were supposed to celebrate their deliverance from slavery from Egypt every year. Now he told them a specific month and a specific date. Now, when the Lord said that to Moses and he told the people, now some people ask him a question. Read. Until because they had touched a corpse and they were not able to keep the Passover on that day. So now, you know it's the time you're supposed to keep the Passover, we're supposed to celebrate, and now Moses says this is the day. And the Lord says it should be done on this day. Now, in those days, if you had maybe touched the corpse or that, you were regarded to be unclean. Just like ladies, if you are seeing your periods, you were regarded at that time to be unclean. So then, they were saying, we have touched the corpse, but now we're supposed to celebrate the Passover. Are we supposed to be stopped? Because you can't celebrate the Passover when you are unclean. Okay, continue. They went to Moses and Aaron and said, Hey, we are unclean because we have touched a corpse. But why should we be excluded from presenting the Lord's offering with the rest of the Israelites? I like these people. Do you know that some of you, when you have a question, you usually go to your friend. Sometimes your friend doesn't have all the answers. Sometimes go to Moses and Aaron. Sometimes come to the pastor, ask me some things you don't understand. Okay? So they went and said, why should we be excluded from partaking in the Passover? Okay. Now Moses, I want you to look at Moses' answer. He does not always have the answer, but he knew where to get the answer. Read. Moses answered. Wait until I receive instructions from the Lord. I like that. I like that. Amen. I like that. I like this thing where sometimes people come to you and they ask and you say, wait, 
until I receive instruction from the Lord. So it's not wrong to let people wait if you are not sure yet. Okay? Wait until I receive instructions from the Lord. <clears throat> because if I were to guess, if I were Moses, I might have responded quickly and said, you will get it next year. Don't worry. If you skip this year, because you are unclean now, you cannot partake. It's sure. But you'll get it. There's always next year. That's what would, I would have said if I were Moses. But I like what he says. He says, wait until I receive instructions from the Lord. So we receive instructions from the master. So listen, continue. The Lord told Moses. Okay. So it means when you are waiting to hear from God, God will speak to you. Tell your neighbor, when you are waiting to hear from God, God will speak to you. Sometimes we think God does not speak because we are usually in a hurry. We are rushing. We are busy with that, busy with that. And some of you, you are praying, but you are also busy with your phone answering messages. Do you think he can speak with you? He says, you are busy with other things. Now. <laughs> because you say you are praying, you say you are talking to me. Now when I want to talk to you, you are answering your friends. Okay? So which means, here when it says, wait until I receive instructions from the Lord, I believe then Moses waited to hear from God. Then the Lord told Moses, uh -huh. People of Israel, mm. when any of you or your descendants are unclean from touching a corpse or are far away on a journey, yeah. but still want to keep the Passover. Okay, so if you are unclean or maybe you are undertaking a journey on that day and you want to partake of the Passover. Okay, the Lord doesn't do the way I thought. I thought he would say next year. Continue. Okay, so he says you are permitted to observe it one month later instead. Who would have thought of that? I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have guessed you will get it next year. Okay? But the thing of being sensitive to wait until you get instructions from the Lord, let him be the master. Amen? Sometimes you expect a certain answer. Sometimes you want to do things in a certain way. But let's be always waiting upon the Lord to hear him. So continue. let's go to the book of Numbers, <clears throat> chapter 9. We are continuing now. Now I want you us to go to verse 15 to 23 to look at how, still in the good news, how the children of Israel were always sensitive to stay in the presence of the Lord. And I said, most of these things that are written here, they are written for our sake. Okay? We as the church must learn from this. To always stay in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Just to be in that atmosphere. You know sometimes even when I know God is everywhere. And indeed he is. But there are times sometimes when Lord, the Lord says, I have put my name there in my house. And you find that in the church you are in a certain environment, a certain atmosphere. That allows your faith to be stirred up even more. Where you can receive from the Lord even better. When we say it's time for intercession or it's time to pray. Take advantage of intercessions in church. Amen. You say Friday's hour of prayer come. You say half past nine is intercession come. You don't lose anything by coming 30 minutes early. You actually gain. Amen. Because you are in that presence. Okay. We know God is everywhere. But you will see even here. They had something that represented the presence of God. The manifested presence of God. We call it Shekinah glory. In other words, God is everywhere in a certain measure. But he can be somewhere in a dense measure. Amen. The manifested presence of the Lord in a particular place. That's what we need as the church. So read it. Numbers chapter 9 from 15 to 23. On the day the tent of the Lord's presence was set up, 
a cloud came and covered it. Okay, so this tent was called the tent of what? The tent of the Lord's presence. Okay? So it means, if you knew that that tent has the presence of God, we're not going to go there all the time. There is still a tent in these days. You must go to it. Amen. You said you were going to go for it, isn't it? It's here. Come to it. Amen. Amen. Yeah, because you think, so you don't have to travel that long. Come to it, it's here. The tent of the Lord's presence. Uh-huh. It was set up. So it means the tents are not starting with us. So we can also call this the tent of the Lord's presence. Things happen here. Amen. The presence of the Lord is in this place. You come here sick, you go out healed. You come here oppressed, you go out free. You come here unsaved, you go out saved and born again. Amen. Because it's the tent of the Lord's presence. So they used to set up tents. Mm -hmm. At night, the cloud looked like fire. Mm. Whenever the cloud lifted, the people of Israel broke camp. And they set up camp again in the place where the cloud came down. Okay, so this is what used to happen. So, the tent of the Lord's presence, and then how the Lord was leading them, the cloud would move to where they need to take the next step to. Okay? So, if that cloud stays here, we stay here. When the cloud moves, we break camp and follow the leading. I want you to equate this even with how we should cooperate with the Holy Spirit as the body of Christ. Okay? So that we must never miss the presence of God. Okay? Let him guide us, let him lead us. So, continue. The people broke camp at the command of the Lord, and at his command they set up camp. I like that. The people broke camp at the command of the Lord. In other words, now we need to move, and at the command of the Lord, now we set it up. Amen. Each step of the way, we go with him. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Amen. He wants to lead you. Even in your own personal life. Even in some of the things that you don't know what to do. That's time to listen to the voice of the Lord. So they only broke camp or set up camp as the Lord commanded. Continue. As long as the cloud stayed over the tent, they stayed in the same camp. Yeah. So the elder was saying, don't move. Amen. So the elder said, even when there is famine, don't go to Egypt. Stay yeah. until you get your breakthrough. Amen. Amen. Continue. When the cloud stayed over the tent for a long time, they obeyed the Lord and did not move on. I like this. Man. Guys, do you see how these people were moving at the pace of God? So if the the, if the cloud does not move, we don't move. So we can say in our days, if the Holy Spirit does not say take the next step, we don't take the next step. Amen. Amen. Mm. Even in my own life, so it's very difficult to really control ourselves. You need to always be conscious of the Holy Spirit in you. If you have to really exercise this. Because it says it doesn't matter how long it took. If the cloud did not move, they would not move. They would never want to go ahead of the Lord. And when the cloud moves, they would not want to remain. They would want to follow. Continue. Sometimes the cloud remained over the tent for only a few days. Yeah. In any case, they remained in a camp or moved according to the command of the Lord. I like this. Continue. Sometimes the cloud remained only from evening until morning. Uh-huh. And they moved on as soon as the cloud lifted. Mm. Whenever the cloud lifted, they moved on. Okay. 
Do you see what's happening here? And I like this. It's good when you can't memorize God. Amen? Because some of you, you, you memorize God, you put God in a box. And you want him to always do things on this way, on that day, at that time, at that like this. So it says, sometimes it would only be in here for very few days. Sometimes it would only be in the evening and morning and then it moves. So it means you cannot cram your walk with God. Each step you've got to be sensitive and allow him to guide you. Amen. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes you meet somebody. Wait. Lord, do you want me to minister to this person? And then minister. Sometimes in your heart you feel you don't have to. Then don't. Amen. Even in praying for people, don't just rush. Because there are people who, especially those who don't want to come to church, they see you going to church and they say, pray for us also. And they are not coming to church. They want you to be praying when they are busy with their other things. They remind me of this one man, the other time I was still working was the, the doctor in the Navy in, in Simon's Town. So there was this man, I shared the gospel with him. It was in the evening, I shared the gospel and he was drunk. <laughs> but then, after that, then he was cut to his senses. And then he was saying, Doctor, pray for me the whole night. So he wanted to sleep. And I must pray the whole, <laughs> and I must pray the whole night. So that's not right. I'm not the one in trouble. You must pray the whole night. <laughs> Amen. So I'm just saying with this thing because we, we, we usually don't want to take that hard part of it. The hard part of walking with the Lord. Amen. So it means if you are prompted to pray the whole night, do so. If you are prompted, sometimes you wake up 12 o'clock midnight, you just feel you've got a burden to pray. Pray. Amen. Continue. Whether it was two days, a month, a year, or longer, as long as the cloud remained over the tent, they did, they not, did not move. move. Amen. Amen. Whether Amen. it's a month, a year, or longer, as long as the cloud does not move, they, they did, did not, not move. move. Amen. Amen. I like this. And if we can adopt that in our walk with the Lord, I only move when he says move. Wait until I receive instruction from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Whether it was a day, it was two days, a month, a year, or longer, as long as the cloud remained over the tent, they did not move on. Yeah. But when it lifted, they moved. Yeah. They set up camp and broke camp in obedience to the commands which the Lord gave through Moses. Amen. I believe if as the church we can be as sensitive as this, we will be successful in everything. Amen. Because we know as we move, it is the, we are moving at the pace of God. We are moving with God. Amen. So when it's not time to move, we don't move. Actually, Moses put it very nicely. Go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. So Moses had already resolved that we don't move without your presence. Amen? If your presence does not go with us, we are not moving. Amen? So we only move as the cloud moves with us. As the cloud moves to the next destination, we move. If the cloud stays, we stay. We remain there. Amen? So, Exodus chapter 33 from verse 12 to verse 17. I will read in the Good News translation. It says, Moses said to the Lord, It is true that you have told me to lead these people to that land, but you did not tell me whom you would send with me. You have said that you know me well and are pleased with me. Now, if you are, tell me your plans. I like this. Amen? I like these people who always wanted to hear from God. What's the plan? Amen. He says, if you are pleased with me, tell me your plans. Because I want to execute your plans, not my plans. You get that? So if you are pleased with me, tell me your plans so that I can do what? So that I may serve you and continue to please you. You see how we please God? When we follow his plan. Amen. We please him. 
as we follow his plan. As we walk by faith and follow his plan. So he says, tell me your plan so that I may serve you and continue to please you. Remember also that you have chosen this nation to be your own. The Lord said, I'll go with you. I'll give you victory. Moses replied, if you do not go with us, don't make us leave this place. What does this remind you? Of that cloud. We don't break camp unless you move with us. So it says, if you don't go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you are pleased with your people and with me if you don't go with us? Your presence will distinguish us from any other people on the earth. That is what the church needs. The presence of God. The tent of the Lord's presence. Amen. The presence of God. So he says, the presence of God is what distinguishes us from all the other people of the world. The difference between us now here and a political party meeting or a society with the old people gathering in a society is the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. So otherwise, if we leave the presence of God, we will be like a social club. Amen. And then that's why you will get a lot of squabbles, a lot of divisions, a lot of gossiping and backbiting each other, cliques in church and groupings and all that. Because now we are becoming like a club, like a society, like a social club. But here Moses says, what distinguishes us from the world? from any other people, it's the presence of God. Amen. The presence of God is what distinguishes us from all the other people. Even for me as a pastor, His presence in me distinguishes me from the world. That's why I can lay hands on the sick and you can recover, you can be healed. It's not that there is anything special about my body, it's just the presence of God in me that delivers me. Amen. That's why I like praying the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has anointed me to set at liberty them that are bound. He has anointed me to set the captives free. And he has anointed me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the favor of God upon his people. Amen. So as I preach, he has anointed me to preach the good news. Amen. And when you do it with the anointing, it touches people's lives. Amen. Because it's not just you, it is God speaking through you. Amen. So it says the presence of God distinguishes us from the world. Now, I want to take you to that part that I was asking you about, again with Moses. So Moses says he was leading this great people, a lot of people. At that time, there were 600,000. Imagine, because these people were in a journey, by the way, from Egypt to the promised land. Now, when the presence of the Lord moved, they would come to this place and then dwell here. When they move, they must move. They must move like that, like that. Now, imagine you've got 600,000 people, more than half a million people, and you are in a journey with them. And how do you get seen? You think you will keep on visiting all the shop rides and uh, uh, spas on the way? No, it was in the desert most of it. There were not even spas. So what do you do? So at that time they had manna. Okay? The food that God provided. So there was manna. It was like small uh, piece of something that they would grind it and it would become almost like how you make flour and then you can eat that. But some of the people were saying, we are tired of this manna. Like some of you don't usually enjoy food without some meat, isn't it? Yeah. So some of them started saying, in Egypt, we used to use to eat meat and this. They said even garlic, even this, this, this. So I saw a lot of food that was in Egypt. They said, you Moses brought us here in the desert to die of hunger. And all we have is manna. Who can survive just with, it's like if it's these days, rice every day. Now, listen to Moses. Numbers 11, 21 to 23. I want you to look at this and see what God says and see how God will do it. And I want us to learn as the church. 
When you cooperate with God, nothing is too hard for God. Numbers 11, 21 to 23. Okay, let me do it. Good news translation. It says, Moses said to the Lord, Here I am leading 600,000 people. And you say that you will give them enough meat for a month. <laughs> Just think, guys. You've got 600,000 people. And God says, I will give them enough meat for a month. How do you do that? Because even for one day, how do you give 600,000 people enough food just for a day? Now, he said for a month, he says, how are you going, you say you will give them enough meat for a whole month, 600,000 people. Could enough cattle and sheep be killed to satisfy them? Are all the fish in the sea enough for them? So he was even thinking, are you going to take all the, 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 the fish in the sea and bring them here? Will that be enough? Now I want you to listen to God's question. So Mr. MJ, that's 23. Unfortunately your mic today is not working well. It's depriving us of the good thing. If it does, I will read. Is there a limit to my power? The Lord answered. I like that. Mm. I believe that's what God is still asking each one of us. When you look at this thing and you just don't know how it will happen, it's just beyond your imagination. It's beyond your comprehension. And then the Lord says, is there a limit to my power? Because Moses was looking at it. Hmm, enough meat for 600,000 people for a whole month. I can't even figure out how you do it in a day. Will you take all the fish in the sea? You saw that, isn't it? Yes. He's thinking the Lord will just command all the fish in the sea to come and then we eat them. That also will not be enough. He said that. Okay? Now God says, is there a limit to my power? I believe that's what God is still saying to us today. Is there a limit to my power? Whatever thing that you are facing, God is saying, is there a limit? To my power. Amen. Can we all just meditate a bit on that? Is there a limit to my power? So look at whatever is challenging you. Whatever thing that you are facing. And then listen to God's answer. Is there a limit to my power? Amen. There isn't any limit. God's power. The problem is we have always been looking at our problem comparing it with our abilities and our own powers and what you are able to do and what your bank is, your bank balance is able to accomplish. Okay? What your job is able to offer you. What your parents are able to do for you. What your husband is able to do for you. But if you now look at it as God, he knows how. So if he says he will feed 600,000 people with meat for the whole month, Whatever it takes, you will do it. The Lord says, is there a limit to my power? The Lord answered. You will soon see whether I have what I have said will happen or not. You will see. Wait and see. Now, verse 31 to 32. Look at this. This is where I want us also to learn as the church. Okay? It says, suddenly the Lord sent a wind that brought quails from the sea, flying three feet above the ground. So what's three feet above the ground? It's around where? Huh? Say, catchable height. <laughs> Say, catchable height. So when he brought quails, he did not bring them flying seven feet above. How will you catch them? So he brought them the wind. So the Lord sent the wind that brought the quails from the sea, flying at catchable height. That's what God wants to do for you. Amen. May your miracle come at a catchable height. Amen. 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 And let it come at a catchable height. Because I want to catch it. When others are catching flu, I'm catching my miracle. Amen. 
There are people who usually say, I'm catching a flu, isn't it? So when you catch the flu, we are catching the way. When you are catching the flu, we are catching our miracle. So they came, the quails, quails were birds now, meat. Okay? He sent a wind that brought quails from the sea, flying three feet above the ground. They settled on the camp and all around it for miles and miles in every direction. So all that day, all night, and all the next day, the people worked catching quails. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. I don't know what's 50 bushels. But that should be a large quantity. Amen. Getting a large quantity of your miracle. Amen. A large quantity. Amen. It's almost like when Abraham had no child. And he was told, you will, uh, your children will be like sand of the sea. Like stars in the heavens. When he even didn't have even one. But when the miracle, when the flight gates opened, multitudes. Amen. So it says, they had the 50 bushels, they spread them out to dry around all the camp. So I'm saying this to us because we need the same wind that drove the quails to the Israelites to bring the lost souls to the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit as much as this wind is bringing your own personal miracle. But may this wind also bring lost souls to the body of Christ, to church. So the move of the Holy Spirit, so I want to equate this wind here with the wind of the Holy Spirit in our days. Okay? That to them it says, a wind that brought the quakes from the sea and they were catching a lot of them. So, it means when the wind is involved, you catch more than what you can on your own. So it means even when we are reaching out, winning souls for Jesus, if you do it with the Holy Ghost, you will catch a lot because it is the Lord himself catching his feet. Amen. It will not just be us. So I want to wind down a bit and we'll connect next time. I want to wind down by going to the book of Mark chapter 16, 15 to 20. And then we'll conclude with Second Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. I'm bringing these two verses toward the close because I want us to understand that as the church, beside what God wants to do for you as an individual, He also wants us to go out into the world. But as we go out to win souls for him, we need to depend on the wind of the Holy Ghost. Okay? That will bring so much praise at catchable height. As much as I'm getting my own personal miracles, but I also want miracles for the kingdom of God. Amen? I also want souls to come to the Lord. The book of Daniel says, As many as have turned many to righteousness, they will shine like stars in the kingdom of their father. Amen. So I'm encouraging all of you. Go out there. Speak the word to people. Share the word of God with the people. Some of you say, Pastor, I don't even know how to share with the people in a way that they can come to church. Because I myself am not stable yet in the things of God. Do like the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, all she did was invited the people. She went to a place after she met Jesus. She went to her people and said, come and see the man who told me ever, everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? So in other words, you can also say, come to our church. I'm inviting you. Just come for one Sunday and listen to the word. Amen. And the, let the Lord himself complete the miracle at catchable hearts. With the Holy Spirit. With that wind blowing those quakes. Amen. We want that happen. So it says, it's Mark 16, 15 to 20, New King James Version. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. 
They will take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. You can see this is supernatural, isn't it? If you drink any poison, it will not hurt you. Which means it's the Lord that has to be working. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So it means if they are sick people, we lay hands on them and they get healed. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went out. He said, go out into the well. And what did they do here? They went out. Usually with the church of these days, many quakes usually just come for us. But there are times sometimes when we need to go out. Because the command is go into the world. You have your own world. The people that you are close to. Invite them to church. Like that Samaritan woman. She said, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. So they came. They listened. After they listened to the preaching of Christ, they were convicted. And when they left, it says, they said, we now believe not because of what you told us. We had him ourselves. Amen. So you helped us by inviting us to church. But now we've heard the word ourselves and we believe. Amen. So they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So that's why I believe that when we preach the word, whatever the word says, we have to see it practical in our lives. Amen. So take it as the word has spoken is. Whatever promise that you have in the book, take it as your own until you see it manifested in your life. Let the Lord confirm his way with signs follow. The problem with most of us is that we want the Lord to confirm people's experience. Like some of you when I tell you, I've seen so much in the word of God about long life that I will not keep young. I will not die yet. I will live full old age. Now you say, oh pastor, what about pastor so and so? That's your problem. You are referring me to pastor Ed so and so and you are not referring me to the way. And if you look at the way, you will see the promise is full about love. Amen. You will live long on the earth. And those of you who don't have the pastor's book, Key to Extraordinary Life, get it. And look at those scriptures. And then say, my reference, my frame of reference is the way. Because that's the only thing God wants to confess. Jeremiah 1.12 says, You have seen correctly, you have seen well. For I am watching over my word to perform it. I'm not watching over people's experiences. And sometimes, this is also what happens, beside other people's experiences. Did you know that even your own personal experiences, sometimes they deny you of getting your miracle? If you have failed on something for some time, Let's say you try this thing, you fail. You try it again, you fail. You are standing on the word, you try it again, you fail. You go for it again, you fail. You start doubting it, isn't it? So it means now, your experience wants to take over what the word has said. And I like God's word because forever his word is perfect. His word does not change even if my situation is moving from bad to worse. So it means my situation has to ultimately change and fit with the way. So when we go out there, we are ambassadors. So let's conclude with this. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I'll touch this on the ambassador, then we'll leave it there. We'll pick it up next time. Because there's still much more to pick on this thing about who we are in Christ and the mandate that we have. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 21. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I like this thing of anyone. Amen. Anyone makes it easy because it works for those who want. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believes. So it means it's for whosoever. And that whosoever, I want to be counted in. Amen. So it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it doesn't matter what your background was like. 
It doesn't matter what you did in the past. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All the things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So it means, if I'm speaking this word and you are here today, and you say, Pastor, you just don't know how my life has been like. I don't even think that God will forgive me. I've done this and this and this. Even in the community, actually there are some things that are just my own secret. If people can know it, they will never want to associate with me anymore. So I'm saying, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a new creation. All things will all pass away, and all things will become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation means we are no longer fighting. We are reconciled. So can you say to your neighbor, you can be in good terms with God. Amen. That is reconciliation. In other words, irrespective of whatever you did in the past, if you come to Christ and you are repenting, say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want to take time of my life from this moment going forward. Then you are a new creation. Okay? Then you've got the ministry. You are reconciled to God. And now you have received the ministry of reconciliation. So many of us, we all want you see, sometimes you find people competing in church, competing for positions, fighting for positions and that. But how many of you know that we all have a ministry? A ministry of reconciliation. And how do we do this ministry? That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So, God did this. He worked through Christ reconciling the world to himself, but now, we have been given the same ministry to reconcile the world to God himself. So I have a ministry. You have a ministry. And this ministry of reconciliation, we all have enough scope to work with. I don't have to compete with you. The world is too big. Amen? So reconcile those that you are close to. Tell them about Christ. Okay? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. You know the verse we read at first when we started. It says Christ acts and speaks through the church. Now here it says as ambassadors it's like God is pleading through. Through us. Can we all say through me? Amen. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So I want us to pack it here for today. Amen. And you take note that when you know who you are in Christ and you know what he has called you to do, because when we said there in Ephesians it says, and focusing clearly on what he has called you to do. Now we know we've got this ministry of reconciliation. We know we must go out into the world, but when we go out there, we are not going on our own. We are going with the mandate giver. We are depending on the Holy Spirit. We want that move of the Holy Spirit, that wind of the Holy Spirit to enable us. And the quakes will come and catch a blue eye. Even for our own personal miracles. Even for the things that I'm trusting God for. The other man had 38 years with his problem. You may have yours for some few years. But the Bible says Jesus has the final say. Amen. It's not over until it's over. So I want us to take this opportunity to go before the Lord. Thank God for the word that we have. And there are things in your own life where when the word was going forth, the, the Holy Spirit was revealing something to you. Amen. The Bible says the sower sows the word. As I'm speaking, I'm speaking the same word to all of you, but how you receive it depends on your individual heart. Amen. Sometimes you find I speak this and the Holy Spirit says to you, but it's about that. That's why sometimes you find, as pastors, we usually hear people say, Pastor, it's like you were just talking about me. You were talking about my situation. 
But then I get surprised because you say I was talking about you, about your situation. But somebody also says I was talking about them, about their situation. But it was the same way. Because if it's about you and specific for a situation, then it was not supposed to be relevant for somebody else. But you find that it's relevant for everybody in their own way because the Holy Spirit is ministering to each one of us individually. So let's take this time. Thank God for the word that we've heard. And even with your challenge, for those of you who have a challenge, I want us to read it this way. When Moses was faced with the issue of feeding 600,000 people, I want us to go there. The 600,000 people, where were we? MJ, so I want that one when he said he was feeding the 600 people and where will the, the food come from and all that until the Lord then asked the question. You can read. Okay, so it's Numbers 11 from verse 21. Moses said to the Lord, Here I am leading 600,000 people, and you say that you'll give them enough meat for a man. Could enough cattle and sheep be killed to satisfy them? Are all the fish in the sea enough for them? So, some of those questions are genuine questions. And that's usually how you look at your situation. You just can't figure out how it will work out. Now, I want us to focus on God's question. This is the question I said, meditate on. But now, that is prayer time. Let this question ring in you. Is there a limit to my power? Amen. So let's stand up.